And turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, ladies. What a blessing that is. I'm going to go into overdrive here, all right? Ephesians chapter number 4. We want to pick up where we left off this morning. We were talking about the, the marks of a great church. Paul began writing to the book of to the Ephesians here in chapter number four, talking to them about their walk with the Lord, their walk in the Lord. So often we have the idea that a great church has to do with the size of its congregation, the 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 uh, worth of its buildings and its property, or maybe it's the the balance of its bank account. We realize that the greatness of a of a church is determined by its commitment to the Lord commitment to the Lord. Uh, It's spiritual in nature. A large church may not always be a great church. But a great church is one that's blessed by God. I don't know about you, but I want to be a church that's blessed by God. And we learn first of all that if we're going to be a great church, we need to have a Christ-honoring testimony. Look at verse number 1, Ephesians chapter 4. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, I urge you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That we walk worthy of, of what, Lord, what the Lord has called us to. We have a high, holy, heavenly calling. We ought to, look, to walk worthy of that fitting in a manner that reflects the Lord to, to others around us. Then notice we talked about, secondly, a Spirit-filled unity. Not only a Christ-honoring testimony, but a Spirit-filled unity. Look at verse number 3. He said, endeavoring. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God desires for His children to walk together in unity. God desires for, for His church to be a unified church, to have the unity of the Spirit. We ought to endeavor to keep that. The Holy Spirit produces that unity. It's mine and your responsibility to maintain it, to promote it, to protect it, to, to put forth the energy, the labor, the, the work necessary to have the unity of the church. We talked about the graces. The graces that 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 of the unity. And, and we talked about lowliness and meekness. How, how that those were linked together. Look at verse number 2, with all lowliness and meekness. Why are those linked together? Because they uh, reflect the heart of Christ. Jesus said, I'm meek and lowly in heart. Meek and lowly in heart. And we find that, that when you and I are meek and lowly, then we're reflecting the Lord. We are. And lowliness has the idea of humility. Meekness is, is strength under control. And, and how that the Lord, it's a gentleness in dealing with others. There ought to be a spirit of gentleness as we deal with others. Then we learn long-suffering. Look what he said there. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, to be long-tempered. To bear along with others, not easily angered forbearing, put up with, being able to put up with another's faults and, and, and loving people who we may find hard to love. And, and I, I want to remind you, for every person you find hard to love, there's somebody that probably finds you hard to love. And then we found that there's a ground of unity. There is a ground of unity. Look at verse number 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice, one, 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 seven times. He's going to talk about the oneness that ought to be amongst the people of God. Uh, This is seven indispensable truths, pillars of faith, a statement of faith that I believe unites us together uh, in a common belief, in a common direction, in a common cause as we serve the Lord together. Notice one body. There are not two bodies. There's one. That's the body of Christ. Every true believer in the Lord Jesus has been made a part of His body. 
takes place the moment we're saved and we're placed, when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus alone for salvation, we're forever united in Him. The Bible said we're in Christ. You know what? Nowhere, no other religion uh, claims that. No, no, no Muslim would ever claim to be in Allah. No Buddhist would ever claim to be in Buddha. No Hindu would ever claim to be in their 500 million gods. But friend, can I tell you, the moment you know Jesus, the Bible says you're in Him. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Him. It's all in Him. There's only two kinds of people on planet earth. Those in Christ and those out of Christ. Those who are saved and those who are not saved. And for any of you want to be in Christ, then you have to know Christ as Savior. The moment we're saved, we're made a part of that one body and, and it manifests itself in, in local bodies of believers like Calvary Baptist Church. Calvary Baptist Church is the visible body of Christ on Main Street in King. And, and can I tell you, if you're a part of the Lord's body, then you ought to be a part of a local body of believers, a part of a local church. There's no such thing as an out-of-the-body of the believer. Listen, there's no such thing as someone who's saved but not a part of the body of Christ. The moment you're saved, you're a part of His body. And if you're saved, you ought to be a part of a New Testament local church. You know, people, I hear this among Christians. There are Christians that say, well, I don't do church. Can I tell you, friend, you, you'll never grow. A person will never grow and be the Christian that God wants them to be if they're not a part of and involved in a local body of believers like Calvary Baptist Church. And this unity comes from the truth that we're all part of the same body, the body of Christ. And, and there's one body. And, and there's, there's perfect harmony and unity within that body. And there ought to be perfect harmony and unity within a local church. Not only that, but he says one spirit. Did you see that? One body, one spirit. The blessed Holy Spirit who indwells and seals and fills every true believer in the Lord Jesus. It talks about the unity of the Spirit. It, it comes as a result of the oneness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, he's the one who binds our hearts together in Christian love. I'm going to tell you what, you can learn that there's a sweetness that comes to the life of a church when the members within that body are, are controlled by the Spirit of God. And he produces His fruit in our lives. It's interesting the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Say, preacher, I, I struggle putting up with people. Friend, can I tell you, when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, He enables us to suffer long, to, to be, to be long-tempered rather than short-tempered. You know what? When our lives are in tune with the Holy Spirit, He will work in us those things that make for peace. And church, can I just tell you, two people in whom the Spirit of God dwells ought to be able to, to come together in harmony and unity to accomplish the work. Hey, that ought to be true in a marriage. Listen, uh, listen, if God the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, a husband and wife ought to have a right kind of marriage. Same is true of a relationship, of friendships, and, 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 and church relationships. Listen, He's the oil that makes the machinery of life run smoothly. There's one hope. Did you see that? One, 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 one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling. That's the hope of the Lord's coming for His own. One day He's going to come and we're out of here. Isn't that about blessing? Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says, blessed, calls it the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. There's coming a day in the not too distant future when the Lord will come and He's going to take us home to glory. And Frank, can I tell you that one hope ought to unite us together as we serve the Lord. We ought to have our eyes tuned toward heaven, looking, longing, loving His appearing. One hope. I'm glad we're not without hope. We have hope. And listen, if we have this hope in us, John said, we purify ourselves. He purifies Himself even as He talking about the Lord is pure. Then not only is there one body, not only one spirit, not only one hope, but notice he goes on to say, one Lord. Can I tell you, there's only one Lord and His name is Jesus. I hear people all the time, make Jesus Lord of your life. You can't make Jesus Lord, He's already Lord. 
All I can do is to, to acknowledge and, and submit to His Lordship. That, that's what I'm to do. He's already Lord. I just need to bring myself under His Lordship. I need to give Him control of my life. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. One songwriter put it like this. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. He is. We ought to acknowledge that. We ought, to, we ought to live in the reality of that every day of our lives. We ought to pray, God, help me to, be, help me to bring myself under, under the Lordship of Your Son to let Him have control of my life. To let Him have the areas of my life. How important that is. Once we've received Him as Savior, then we, we can submit to Him as Lord. John 17, He prayed for us to be one. Listen to what He prayed. Neither This is before He went to the cross. He said, talking to the Father, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. He's talking about uh, the, those that would get saved because of the witness of the disciples and on down to today. And, and, uh, and, and He said that they all may be one as Thou, Father, art in Me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Do you realize that there is a spiritual oneness that exists between the believer and his God? We talked about how that we're in Christ, and Jesus prayed for this, for this oneness. And the moment we're saved, we enter into it to a union with the God of heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There is a oneness that all believers share with Him. It's already accomplished to happen the day we were saved. But can I tell you that will manifest itself in a practical oneness that takes place when we submit ourselves to the Lord and, and to one another. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord, in the fear of God. You realize there's a mutual submission of the people of God as we submit ourselves to the Lord. I've, I've given this illustration many times. If you have two pianos in the same room and, and you want this piano to be in tune with that piano, here's what you don't do. You don't take that piano and tune it to a tuning fork and then try to tune that piano to this piano. You'll still be out of tune because no piano is perfectly in tune with the tuning fork. Never is. And so whatever's wrong with this piano, all right, out of tune with this piano, ever so slightly, will be exasperated in the other piano. So what you do is you take this one tuning fork and you tune this piano to the tuning fork. And then you tune this piano to the tuning fork. And then you have two pianos in tune with the same tuning fork and therefore they're in tune with one another. And can I tell you when a body of believers are in tune with the Lord... We're in tune to the Lord Jesus. Friend, can I tell you, He automatically brings us in tune with each other. Did you know that? That's true of a marriage. It's true of a marriage. It's true of a family. It's true of a church. We want to be in tune, church, and we need each one of us uh, endeavor to be in tune with the Savior every day of our lives. Notice He says one faith. I told you I'm in hyperdrive. All right? One faith. One Lord. One faith. He's not talking about the ability to believe, but what we're to believe. There are not many faiths. There's one faith. Jude verse 3 calls it the faith once delivered to the saints. It's that body of doctrine revealed in the Bible that makes us New Testament Christians. A, a person that does not accept the faith once delivered can in all, cannot in all honesty call themselves a New Testament Christian. Can I remind you that doctrine doesn't divide us, it unites us. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, the man of God may be truly, may be perfect, mature, truly furnished into all good works. I hear people say this. Well, at our church, we just don't emphasize doctrine. We just love everybody. Can I tell you, friend, that the, the reality of that? They, they, they'll say, well, doctrine divides, and doctrine doesn't divide, it unites. It's the foundation upon which our unity as a family of believers is built. We believe the same truth. Amen. The faith once delivered to the saints. 
Let me just say something. Love without doctrine has no basis, no foundation. It's shaky. There's no true unity in it. But look, look over at verse 15. He said, but speaking the truth in love. Notice the Bible doesn't say speaking love. No, it says speak the truth. But you do it in love. Love, love, true love must flow between the banks of truth. There's folks out there claiming that a family is defined by love. Well, it's just anybody that loves each other. It's a family. Doesn't matter who, who's in the family. It can be a man with a man, a woman with a woman, a, a man with, 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 with more than one woman or whatever it may be, or, or a man and a woman not married to each other or married to somebody else, but yet they're together and they love each other and the world will define that as a family. Friend, that's not love. That's lust. That's lust. It's not love. There's no truth in that. There's no. Don't you get caught up in the Campbell Soup commercial? trying to define some kind of family that's different from the Bible and make it look like it's loving and wonderful and sweet. Friend, can I tell you, it's nothing of the kind. There's no such thing as, as, as monogamy between, uh, in, in, in what we call same-sex relationships. It's built on lust. It's not built on the Bible. It's not built on true love. It's not. It's not a family. It's a perversion of the family. Adultery, it's a perversion of what God put together. That's what it is. And listen, if we don't have preachers that stand up in spite of the culture and preach truth, can I tell you, America's just going to be like Europe and it's going to be like Canada and we're going to be a wasteland spiritually and you're going to find men of God who want to take a stand. They're going to be in jails in America if we don't take a stand right now. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. The family's one man and one woman bound together by the sacred bonds of marriage. That's what a family is. may not be the world's definition, but it sure is God's definition. I tell you, I was so upset when, when, when many of you called and wrote emails to, to Senator Tillis and you got this little, little mamby-pamby response back that he just felt like the Supreme Court, he's blame-shifted to the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court, well, they said that, that everybody ought to have the opportunity for marriage and it ought to be extended to every person regardless of this. And it sounded so sanctimonious. And it's the law of the land, he said. Well, what about the law of God? Amen. You see, whatever happened to the law of God? It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what Congress says. It doesn't matter what a president says or, or the who, the World Health Organization or the United Nations. It doesn't matter what they say. What did God say? That's where we need to stand. What does God say? That's where we need to stand. Not trying to be unkind. Not trying to be unkind. But here's what I'm going to say. If we don't stand up and speak truth, then our nation's going to be destroyed and your children's going to be swallowed up in it. Unity, true Christian unity, is bound together by an adherence to truth. Can I just tell you that anything other than what God instituted is a satanic counterfeit and a perversion of what God has created. Doctrine doesn't divide, it unites. And friend, Amos put it this way, can two walk together except they be agreed? Let me quickly move on. To, you can say a lot in 15 minutes, can't you? One baptism. One baptism. Now, you know what? This is where everything divides. You, you, it doesn't matter what writer you want to read after. There's one he's going to say it's spirit, Holy Spirit baptism. Another's going to say it's water baptism. Whether this refers to spirit baptism or water baptism, you know, I, I, you just take your pick and I, I'm going to go amen. I hadn't figured it out, but here's what I do know, that whether it's spirit baptism or water baptism, there's only one of each kind. That's how I'm going to look at it. 
Matter of fact, it's the, the moment you're saved, you're, you're, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. We're immersed into the Lord. And, and, and it happens to every child of God. For, for as the body is one, it hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ, Paul says. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be uh, Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. I'm glad to tell you, friend, the day you got saved, the day I got saved, we were baptized, we were immersed by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ. We are one with Him. That makes us a part of the body of Christ, and it's true of everybody. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to ask for it. God's already done it. You've already been placed in Jesus Christ. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Water baptism. There's only one. You'd be surprised, number of Baptists that I read because they wanted to be they, they wanted to get along with everybody and they said, Now there are many modes of baptism. No, there's not. There's only one mode of baptism. It's called immersion. Anything else is not baptism. They'll say, well, some people are sprinkled, some people are poured, it's poured, uh, water's poured on other people they're put under, but it's all baptism. No, it's not all baptism. That's compromise. True baptism is by immersion. There's only one baptism by immersion. Believers only. Amen. Don't worry, the Bible will tell us to, 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 to sprinkle babies. Tells us to immerse believers like we did this morning. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. It's the outward sign of an inward reality. It's an outward public profession of our faith in the Lord Jesus. And just as the Spirit's baptism unites us together in the body of Christ, so water baptism, immersion, unites us together as a local body of believers in a church. By the way, that is key Baptist doctrine. Baptism does matter. It matters. doesn't save you, but it matters. Because the Lord commanded it in our lives. We're to follow Him in obedience. And if, if a person who's saved and they've not been immersed, then they're disobedient to the Lord. So therefore, do, do we not agree that disobedience to the Lord matters? Sure it does. Then we ought to be immersed. As the Lord, there's one baptism. And, and then here's the last one. Are you ready? Here we go. One God. I'm glad there's only one God, aren't you? We live in a day of pluralism. The watchword of our postmodern era in America, all roads, all roads lead to heaven. If, if you listen to America's pastor, Oprah Winfrey, she'll get up and tell you that we call God by many names. Oh, it so sounds so wonderful. We just call God by many names. In all the roads, we're all just going to the same place. I'm sad to say that's not true. I don't think I'm going to the same place the Muslim's going. I'm not going to the same place the Buddhist is going. I'm not going to the same place the person that rejects Christ is going. I'm not. We're not all going to the same place. No. Those who are saved will go to heaven. Those who reject the Lord will spend eternity in hell. That's reality. Not many gods. There's only one. His name is Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of the Bible. Notice, one God and Father. God's not everybody's Father. He's everybody's Creator, but He's not everybody's Father. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus. He's the Father of the saved. But as many as received Him to them, gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. There's one God and Father of all who is above all. He's talking about all believers and above all and through all and in you all. I love that. All, all, all. Every father wants his children to get along. I don't know of a father that, 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 that's in his right mind that wants his children to fight with each other. Our Heavenly Father desires for His children, those who belong to Him by faith, 
in his local church to get along with each other. Now, don't, don't you take this where the Lord hadn't took it. Somebody says, well, all the churches, if we just get together. God doesn't want all churches together. You know why? Because all churches don't believe the same. You see, doctrine unites. But it also separates. It separates the true from error. God didn't call all churches to lay aside the truths of, that I'm sharing with you, to lay them aside just to get along. No, no. We stand for truth. The faith once delivered for the saints. Now, there's guys, there are preachers in our community that I can sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. Some of them I can call my brother in the Lord. They know the Lord. But we can't serve the Lord together because we won't believe the same. They don't believe, they don't believe the same book the same way. It's one thing to have Christian fellowship over a cup of coffee. It's something else to have a service together where the Word of God's preached. And I'm not going to lead and be a part of something where truth is not being preached the way the Lord gave it. That's why there's many local bodies. We cooperate with the local bodies that believe like us. Because truth matters. Truth matters. I can't have a service with somebody that doesn't believe Jesus physically rose from the dead. I can't share the pulpit with a person that, that believes that water baptism saves. Can't do that. I can't, I can't share the pulpit with somebody that doesn't believe this is the inspired and errant infallible Word of God. I can't do that. Because to do that, I've got to compromise truth. And God says there's only one faith, not many. Speak the truth in love. Jesus taught us to pray our Father which art in heaven. The model prayer promotes unity among, among the people of God. We, we belong to the same body, church. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same hope, the same Lord, the same faith, the same baptism, the same Father who's above all and through all and in you all. And just there's a oneness in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, a unity and diversity, so there needs to be a oneness among the people of God. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. To dwell together in unity. Can I tell you, I believe the Lord, the Lord would be pleased if all churches could get along as long as they were getting along in the truth. That's not going to happen here. That's going to happen up there. Oil. Matter of fact, Psalm 133, the Bible said how how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he's going to make a comparison. He talks about oil. Oil that flowed down Aaron's beard. That's what he called it. It speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, a church that's unified is a powerful church. They accomplish great things for God. He calls it, he, he said it's like the dew of Hermon. Oh, nothing like dew. We don't understand dew like they do in the Middle Eastern countries, especially in the Lord's day and, and in the psalmist's day. It was, it was vital to the existence of plant life of the nation of Israel. It watered the crops between the early and the latter rains. Dew made the land green and fertile and fresh. It was a beautiful sight. God says, when I have a local church that's get around truth, these seven indispensable truths, it's a beautiful sight. You know what, you know what He said? That not only is it like oil, it's powerful, it's like dew, it's productive. Can I tell you, church, we'll be most productive when we're going in the same direction, accomplishing the same cause, accomplishing the same work for the, for, 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 that God's called us to do. When we just all get in the traces, 
When we just all harness up together and we say, you know what, we just believe this is what God wants us to do. Can I tell you, friend day will be a success when we as a church go together to get it done. Everything that we do is that God gives us to do as a church, when we come together and, and, and we do it in a heart of love for God and for each other and for our community, can I tell you, it's powerful and it's productive. It makes a difference. And I tell you, everywhere there's disunity, there's a lack of God's power, a lack of God's blessing, and there's a lack of fruitfulness in that church. Can I tell you, God wants you to be a part of that. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How important that is. You know, I just want to mention that whatever you do for the Lord, it's a great work. It's a great work. Everything you do for the Lord is a great work. It is. I love what Nehemiah said when they tried to get him to stop the work of God. He said, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. Can I tell you, whatever you do for God's great. Let's just come together and accomplish that that God has for us. Amen? That we can make an eternal difference for the cause of Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank You for Your